copy of the Word of God. Uh, if not, turn your attention to the monitor. Amen. In Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse uh, 16, are you with me? And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Let us pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we bless you and we thank you for your presence in this place. God, you are here to heal. The power of the Spirit of the Lord is here to heal. Father, I pray that someone today would leave here healed from whatever it is. If it's a physical illness, heal them, O oh God. God, if it's a, a, a decision that needs to be made, give them deliverance as far as an answer. We ask that in Jesus' name. God, have your way, we pray in Jesus' matchless name. Church said amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He is our healer. The power of the Lord is here to heal. Uh, if you would receive it, there's nothing that is too hard for God. There's nothing that is too hard for God. And we also understand that, yes, he, the power of the Lord is here to heal, but the greatest deliverance that the Lord has available to us as the woman who had the issue of blood, she was physically healed, but she wasn't whole. Yeah. And it wasn't until she acknowledged her brokenness and need for something more, the Lord said, not only has your faith healed you, but I am now, I am now making you whole. And so that is my prayer for you is that the Lord would make you whole. Some of you may be familiar with the story about Isla. Uh, she's a, she was at home on December the 6th uh, in, their, in her Somerset house with, uh, in, in New Jersey uh, with her mother, Hallie Glacier. And while there with her mother, she observed her mother collapse to the floor. The child attempted to wake her unresponsive mother, but when she was unsuccessful in her efforts, Isla knew to call for help. Uh, in an incredible 911 call, uh, which is, has been released by the police and obtained by a local news outlet, Isla calmly reported what had happened. My mommy has fallen down and she can't talk, she said, adding that her mom was not sleeping after the dispatcher asked, is your mother asleep? She said, no, my mommy is not sleeping. The dispatcher went on to ask Isla a series of questions about the incident. Isla answered them all and explained that her mother had been sick and experiencing a fever before she collapsed to the ground. When asked if anyone else was at home, the young girl revealed that she was there with her two-year-old sister and one-year-old twin brothers, and the father was at work. Uh, shortly after uh, the Franklin Township Department, Police Department arrived at the house, uh, they discovered that they couldn't get in. The door was locked, 
And so they asked Isla if she could uh, put a chair to the door. They, uh, another neighborhood, they might have kicked the door down, but they asked <laughs> Isla if she put a chair to the door. And she obediently uh, responded, put a chair to the door. And as she's beginning to open the door, there's um, four dogs in the house. All of them weigh more than 70 pounds. And they're barking ferociously. And she was able to, as she's opening the door, make the dogs be quiet and invited the, the officers in. And while the, uh, the medics worked on her mother, she went to the kitchen and prepared breakfast for her three siblings, and told the police officers that everything would be okay. Uh, the good news is that uh, mom uh, was taken to the hospital and returned home, and by now is fully recovered from her illness. Amen? Now, praise the Lord for a happy ending uh, to what could have easily become a tragedy. And while it is impressive that she was able to calm down these large dogs, and feed her three siblings, put a chair to the door, open up the door. And, but if she had not made the call, if she had not told somebody that mom was in, in, in trouble, the outcome would and could have been entirely different. Am I right about it? Isla had sense enough to tell somebody that mom needed help. In case you didn't know it, 151,600 people die every day. 6,316 people die every hour. 105 people die every minute, and nearly two people die each second. People are dying every single day. And unfortunately, I can't stand before you and say with full confidence that most of them are leaving this world after having heard somebody dial up the gospel in their life. People are dying having never heard the good news of Jesus Christ. And uh, irregardless to how you Think about Christmas trees and Santa Claus, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Santa and his elves. Uh, who's the Scrooge? Ebenezer Scrooge. And, uh, I don't know, and scholars don't know exactly the day Jesus was born. Uh, we don't know if he was born in a, in a cave, in a, in a, in a trough, in, 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 in a stable with animals, if he was put in a trough uh, where animals drink water. Uh, we don't know specifically those, we can't answer those questions definitively. But what I do know, that on the 25th of December, everywhere in the Western world, people take time to pause to consider the birth of Jesus Christ. And for whatever their reasons are, what that means for me is that the world is not like Isla's mom that has fallen down and can be revived. The Bible says that sinners without Christ are dead in their trespasses and sin, and they need a defibrillator called the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. But they will not receive it unless you tell them, 
unless you tell them. Somebody say, tell somebody about Jesus. Tell somebody about Jesus. And we want to spend a few minutes talking about that today. I'm not going to hold you long. I know you're trying to rush to get the pastor his gifts and make sure that you're checking your list and checking it twice. Amen. To find out if the pastor's been naughty or nice. And by the way, thank each of you for this year, the love offering that was started. I don't know who you are. I don't know who gives. And that's by choice. And uh, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. But I just want to acknowledge all of you uh, for, for, your, for your charitable, your contributions, your expressions of love to me, and how you are helping me to make a decision to be able to retire from my second job by how you're contributing to the love offering. So amen, amen. Increase, increase. You know how they say, increase, increase, expand, expand. Praise the Lord. Amen. So there are four things that I want to consider with you today. Before you can tell somebody about Jesus, you need to hear about him for yourself. You need to hear the message before you can give the message. Secondly, it's one thing to hear the message, but you must accept it. You must accept the message. That's the second thought that we will consider. And then once you have heard and accepted, then you can share it. And then the final thing, as you're sharing it, the blessing of being used by God will allow you to celebrate the message. So you need to hear it, accept it, share it, so you can celebrate it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's, let's just jump right into this. You need to hear the message. In verses 8 and 9, we see the shepherds watching, the shepherds watching over their flock. And, and we're going to discover that before they ever were in a position to tell anybody about the baby in the manger, they had to hear. Listen to what the Word of God says. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone, shone around them. Just picture that in your mind. And they were terrified. You remember how every time the angel of the Lord spoke during the plague? They were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, say today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, Mashiach, the Lord, Christos. This, it, this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger, probably a trough that animals drank water from. Now, why is it necessary for you to hear? You notice at the end of the verse, it says, uh, when the angel, the, the angel said to them, the angel told them, the angel actually witnessed to the shepherds. Why is it necessary for us to hear the good news before we can share it? The Bible says faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. One of the challenges of today, we're so busy and preoccupied with just making it. The devil does everything that he can to drown out the voice of God. Because he knows that if you hear the word of God, the Bible says, so shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It will never return unto me empty or unfulfilled, but it will accomplish, accomplish that which I please wherever I send it. So the word of God, 
Faith comes by hearing. If you want your faith to grow, you need to hear the word of God. Faith must be informed by biblical truth before it can produce faith. Uh, living faith, living faith. All of us have faith. You're sitting in a chair right now, not because you knew it was going to hold you up, but because you believed it was going to hold you up. You drove here in a car that you didn't know if it was going to explode or collapse, or die, but you believe, and so we all have faith. But all faith is not living faith. All faith is not saved faith. Saving faith. The Bible says even the devil or demons believe and they tremble, but they're not saved. And so in order to have saving faith, you must, the word of God must inform that faith so that you can worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Does that make sense? Let me give you an example. When you get an opportunity to, in Acts chapter 8, one of the most powerful passages on how to evangelize. Philip is the evangelist in the city of Samaria of all places. He, he moved to the, the, uh, what we would consider the, the, the capital of the Ku Klux Klan, the Samaritans. They were despised by the Jews. There, were race, there was racial tension between these two groups. But God sent Philip, a deacon, to evangelize, and the entire city gets saved. And so now you've got this massive uh, experience of salvation. You've got a great church going. And then the Lord whispers by the Holy Spirit into Philip's ear. He says, I want you to leave this massive congregation to minister to one person on the side of 95 in the Gaza Desert. So he, he, Philip obeys the Lord, and as he goes to where the Lord tells him that he's going to meet this Ethiopian eunuch who was the chief treasurer of Ethiopia. He was the head treasurer. He only answered to the queen, Candace. And so Philip gets to the road where the Lord directs him, and this Ethiopian is in his chariot, in his limo, and he's reading a portion of scripture from the book of Isaiah. And Philip said, do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian responds, how can I accept someone explains it? That's, we need to hear the word so it can be explained to us because without the explanation, you don't understand what you need to know to come to know Jesus. And so faith must be informed through the hearing of the word so that you can be like this Ethiopian eunuch. He says, how can I know? How can someone who doesn't know Jesus know without us telling them and explaining? Stay with me. Faith must be informed by the Bible uh, biblical truth before it can produce living true faith. Faith that responds to the word produces spiritual fruit. When you get a chance, when you look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, uh, that's what the, that's the, the whole book is directed to the model church, the dynamic church, uh, of the church, uh, the progress, the, the church that the Lord used as a template for how our church looked, the, uh, the book of First and 2 Thessalonians. And, and, and Paul says to them, he says, uh, regarding the word producing fruit, when you hear it, here's the evidence that the, that the word has fallen on fertile soil. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you, become, for you welcomed the message, you welcomed the word in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became models to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you. Not only in Macedonia and Acadia, your faith in God has become, has been made known everywhere. And so when you hear the word, the impact of the word will produce 
fruit in your life, and the fruit in your life will also influence others to have a desire to taste and see what you have experienced. Amen? And so the first thing that is true, you need to hear the word. You need to hear the word before you can share the word. You need to hear the word. One of the things that we do in our house on Christmas Day, before we open up any gifts, is we read the story of the birth of Jesus. We revisit what this is all about. Because if Christ had not come, we would, we would still be in our sins. There would be no hope. We could have church. We could have singing. We could have dancing. But without the birth and the death and resurrection of Jesus, Christianity does not have any, any impact or purpose. And so you need to hear. You need to hear. Who are the shepherds? Of all the people that the Lord could have chosen, during this time, the shepherds were considered foul, disgraceful, the lowest part of the uh, 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 economic spectrum. It was embarrassing to be considered a shepherd. Now, there were great shepherds in the Bible. There was Jacob. There was Abraham, Isaac. There was David. Uh, Moses was a shepherd. But wasn't nothing exciting about being around stinking sheep. And so people who were sophisticated looked down on shepherds. They looked down on shepherds. But what we see here is that God is no respecter of person. He could have chosen someone out of the palace, but he chose those who were rejected. If you were a shepherd, if you wanted to go to the temple to worship, you were considered ceremonially unclean. You had to go through a, 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 a certain special ritualistic cleansing before you could even go to church. That's how shepherds were viewed. But the Bible tells us, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised. God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. Why? That no flesh should boast. Aren't you glad that he chose you? It's not by works of righteousness which we've done, but it's according to his mercy. None of us deserve or could ever do anything to earn God's pleasure. But before the foundations of the world were formed, God in eternity past saw our need, and he reached beyond every fault, every sin, every failure, and he called us and as drawing us by his spirit into the ark of salvation. It wasn't because of how special we are, but how great he is in his unconditional love. Somebody say amen. Now, I want you to notice that the shepherds were main, keeping their flocks by night. And the reason they were doing that, that was their job. They worked outside all night protecting their sheep from wolves. And what that reminds me of is the place that people are most likely to hear the word is not at church anymore. Most of the people I talk to as a hospice chaplain at the end of their lives, he said, where do you go to church? I don't go to church anywhere. And they have no conviction about it. They don't feel bad about it. They don't see any need for it. Oh, people used to say they're hypocrites in church. They don't even tell you that anymore. A lot of people work on Sundays. People work on, we used to have Wednesday night Bible study. Stand, you know, every, all seats were taken. That day is not what we're experiencing anymore. People spend so much time away from their home. You're just getting home. You're grabbing McDonald's, grabbing oh, Chick-fil-A or whatever you're bringing in and for pizza. Your kid's going to turn into a pizza. They eat so much pizza growing up. 
because our houses are not really, we're not really living at home. Our houses are our way stations, and, and, and it's like a, a stop. People are so involved, and then we've got information overload. So the, the place that you're going to reach people more likely today is in the context of your work environment. Now, you have to be as wise as a serpent, but as what? Harmless as a dove. But you need to be thinking of ways to share the good news in your workplace because that is where, if you say, well, come to church. We like come to church, but you can take the church to them because the Bible says you are the temple of God and the spirit of God is you in the church. And wherever you is, that's where the church is. So we need to be mindful that these shepherds were at work when the angels appeared and shared the message. Now, notice how God communicated the good news on the 25th or whatever day Christ was actually born. And on your, as you are sitting in front of uh, whatever you have in your house to remind you of the tradition of Christmas, there's a way that you can share and be effectively how they heard the word. God used divine manifestation. The Bible says the angel appeared and the glory of God shone around them. And, and the fact that the angel terrified them and the glory of God, which was a, 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 a bright light that illumined in their presence, that often represents the, the presence of God. When we talk about the glory of God, we're talking about the Shekinah glory, which is a physical manifestation of brightness of God, the brightness of God. And so what God will do, he, to, he will, to get people to hear, he will manifest himself, he will do something, it will be a burning, burning bush experience. It'll be something that happens in the person's life. When they're right, when, when the time is right to share with them, and you don't always know, God has already been working on their hearts. So there was a manifestation that led to consternation. They were afraid. How many of you know that when you think about when you did get saved, you, there was trouble in your life? God will use the troubles that are in your life to trouble you to reach out to look for a remedy through him. And so their fear caused them to want to know about what was going on. And so as you share the word with your, your loved ones and your children, and we talked about this last time, Generations have come and gone because we're not telling them about the goodness of the Lord. Uh, re realize that God is using the trouble that is in the world, the trouble that's in the White House, the trouble that's, that, that, that you're reading about as a way of showing people that the hope that we need is not in man. Somebody say amen. amen. But most clearly what God uses to reach people with his message about Jesus, he uses divine revelation. Say revelation. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will be great joy to all people. They needed to hear words. Well, I'm just going to let people see my light. Let your light so shine before men. And they see your good works. But the Bible says, give it a hope. Give a, the Bible says in, in, in uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, but sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready to give an answer to every man who asks a reason of the hope that is within you with fear and in trembling. You need to be ready to, to give an answer to everyone who asks you, why is your light shining? Why is your family different? The Bible says, if our gospel be hidden, it is hidden to those who are lost, 
who the God of this world has blinded the minds of them who believe not, lest they believe the gospel, the light of the glorious Christ, who is the icon, who is the exact image of God. So when we don't tell somebody they're walking in darkness, and the darkness that they're walking in is caused by the blindness that Satan gives. Are you with me? And so the first thing, you need to hear the word. You're hearing the word now. The Bible tells us in, when you get a chance in, in Ezekiel chapter 3, I believe, that we are the watchmen. And what the watchmen did, they would stand at the gate and they would, their responsibility was to blow the horn whenever the enemy was approaching. And if they didn't blow the horn, everybody inside of those walls was at risk of losing their lives. Well, the, 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 the horn that we are supposed to be blowing is the, is the gospel, the good news. And when you don't blow the horn to let people know that without Christ they're going to die in their sins, God says, I will hold their blood against you. The blood of those who die without Jesus will be on your hands. Now, you must accept him. Say, I must accept him. Look at verse 15. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see these things that have come to pass, which the Lord has made known. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a the manger. They accepted the message from the angels. And the proof that they accepted is that they responded to it by going to the place where the baby was. Now, what does the Bible say about receiving receiving the word. How do you know when you see the word? The scripture says, but as many as received who? Jesus. To them he gives the right to become the sons and the daughters of God. You must accept, you must make a decision that I want to trust Christ as my personal savior, as the one who forgives me of the sins that I have committed and the sins that I have been born with. Because the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. How many of you know that includes you? It also includes me. Amen? And so I need to accept him. But when I do, the Lord says, I give you the right to become the sons and the daughters of God. This, I love what Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15 says. How then shall they call on him who they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him who they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a proclaimer, without a witness, without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they were sent as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. And so we must receive the word, and when we do, that God makes you a member of his family. It's one thing to join the church. You can get baptized. You can speak in tongues. You can be slain in the spirit and, and gyrate on the altar. The devil have no problem with all of those experiences. But if you have not placed your trust in the finished work of Jesus, you're still outside of the ark of salvation. You must personally accept him as your Lord and your Savior. But I say, if you confess with your mouth and believe that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved from the power and the penalty of sin right now. Right now. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, what happens when you accept the good news? I'm glad you asked. One of the things that happens when you accept Jesus, you want to be in his presence. The first thing they did is say, we got to go see him. 
When the Lord changes you and, and makes you alive, when we were dead in our sins and, and our trespasses, what happens is you desire to be in his presence. And whenever you are in his presence, the Bible says there is joy and peace forevermore. There's nothing like being in his presence because whenever you are in his presence through prayer and personal time with him, you never leave the way you came. Somebody say amen. They felt compelled to worship. I'm telling you, you don't have to be having people raise their hand and fall on their face and do anything. When you've experienced the goodness of God, when you've been embraced by his love, when you've actually allowed the spirit of God to be in charge, when you understand that worship is not about you or about me, but it's about him, and he actually takes control over you. By the time he gets finished with you, you don't know what you said. You don't know how long you've been saying it. You don't know you, the Lord, the Holy Spirit will take charge, and when he does, there's nothing like it. Well, why do people act like that in church? Why do they raise their hand? Because they've experienced the presence of the Lord. Salvation will make, make you compelled. It'll make you desire. It, it'll cause you to acknowledge that Jesus is not just a man. He is the God man. He is Messiah. He's God in human form. The Word became flesh. Jesus existed in eternity past. He humbled himself and took on the form of a servant, and he died in your place, in my place, as our sacrifice. And so lordship is not just getting fire insurance so you don't go to hell, but it's accepting that Jesus is the one who's the master and ruler over my life. Is he the master and ruler over your life? They were saved from their personal sins. I want you to know the Bible says when you're saved, the Spirit himself will bear witness that you are the sons and the daughters of God. The Bible says who, as many as are left. So what happens when you are saved, the Spirit of God takes up residency in you. And you can be in a supermarket. You can be at a football game and go Eagles, go. You can be anywhere you want to be. But what will happen, the Spirit of God in you will agree with the Spirit of another sister or brother. Don't matter what nationality, what ethnicity, what part of it. The Spirit of God bears witness that you are a part of his family. I don't think there's any higher, a higher compliment than somebody to say, not to say, you a preacher, aren't you? I say, how you know? You look like one. What does that mean? No, I like it when people say, you're a Christian. You're a Christian. You're saved. And then I'm like, okay, okay. The spirit is bearing witness. You must share the message. Say, share the message. In verses 17 and 18, the Bible says, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. You must share the word. How much you share? Intentionally. Be on when this Christmas, it's not going to be eggnogs and chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer had a very no, no, no. Uh-uh. We're not going to talk about it. what we want to do. We want to be intentional. When my family comes. I'm going to share my testimony, how I once was lost, but now I'm found. They were intentional. When they saw Jesus, they left and told everybody about what they had seen and what they had heard. You need to be courageous. Don't be, so you want to share intentionally and courageously. The Bible says, Paul speaking, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God 
unto salvation to all who believe. Don't be ashamed. The word in the gospel is powerful. And what releases when you share it is the very dunamis, the, 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 the authority and unction of God that brings dead things to life. You need to share persuasively. Don't bore people with the gospel. The Bible says, go into the hedges and the highways and says, compel them. Plead with them. Cause them to know that they're in a house that is burning. And the only way of escape is Jesus Christ who took their place on the cross. Compel them. Are there people that you love enough to compel them? Not so much to join your church or to join your auxiliary, but to join the family of God through faith in the finished work of Jesus. Somebody say amen. Share your faith humbly. Paul said this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And he said, and I am the chief of all. Here he is, this dude wrote most of the New Testament. He's multi-cultured and, 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 and diverse in his language. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisee, except all of these things. He says, when it comes to sinners, I'm the chief. That's humility. So I'm not talking to people about receiving Christ as if I'm somehow better than them. I'm simply a sinner saved by grace. Share the message clearly. Clearly, you ask most people in the church, unfortunately, a lot of people in church go to church every Sunday and have one time, oh, love Jesus. What's the gospel? Most Christians can't even tell you what the gospel is. Oh, it's the Bible. No. The gospel specifically has to do with the, the death, the life, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So here's what Paul says uh, and, and regarding being clear. He says, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus and him crucified. Yes. That's, the, that's the heart of the gospel, that Jesus died for you and he died for me. I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. When I share the word and I'm standing before you, I'm in weakness and trembling because I got feet of clay. I want to be clear. He says, my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words, that is, trying to impress people, but by the demonstration of the spirit of, and, and the power, the spirit and the power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I remember I was in the, at the University of uh, SMU playing basketball back in my leaner days, and uh, I was uh, shared with a guy wanted to lead him to Christ, I spent two hours trying to impress him with everything I had learned in seminary for three years, three years of my seminary. And this guy just looking at me, and he said, trying, I guess he was trying to get away. I wasn't letting him get away. And he, then he finally said, look, I got to go. I said, well, give me two minutes. I shared Christ in two minutes, and the man got saved. And he said, is that, was, is that all you were trying to tell me? <laughs> All we need to be is clear in the, word, the gospel word. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be an elder. You don't have to be no deacon. You don't have to be no seminary professor. You just need to know what Jesus did for you and share it in clarity and authority, and your loved ones will get saved. You need to share it prayerfully. And we get a chance in Acts chapter 4, verse 31, the Bible said they pray for boldness. And as they prayed, the Bible said that the floor began to shake, and, and God heard their prayer. And then they left there, and 3,000 people got saved. 
we need to share prayerfully. And finally, we need to share it obediently. Say obediently. The Bible says, but you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. That's our responsibility. And when you're sharing your faith on Christmas about who Jesus is to your loved ones who are dying every day, dying every day, two people every second, going into a Christless eternity because we aren't saying anything, you need to be obedient. And finally, you need to celebrate the good news with rejoicing. The Bible says, and when the angels left, stand with me, when the angels left, I mean, when the shepherds left, the angel had left, now the shepherds are leaving, having seen Jesus. The Bible says they left praising and rejoicing. Praising and rejoicing. And there's, there are two parts of that. The Bible says that Mary contemplated these things in her heart. She was silent about it. And so that glorifying the Lord has a private aspect to it. And it's, you, you, you're responding to what God has done and who he is. But the praise part of it is what the shepherds did. <laughs> it's very public. So if the Lord has saved you and you've heard the message, you've received the message, and you're sharing it, now you ought to be celebrating it. When it comes time to praise the Lord, some of you are going to be watching that Eagles game in a little bit. You ain't going to be sitting down there like you about to go to your own funeral. You're going to be some of you will be upset if the Cowboys win. But I, all I know is, all I know is that the Cowboys ain't never won no games for me, nor have the Eagles. I'm an Eagle fan now, but guess who has won games for me? One, one who's made way away from my life when I should be dead. I ought to be in prison somewhere. But the Lord Jesus, but the Lord Jesus back in 1972 called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. He changed me, and he saved me, and now I'm in a position to impact generations. The devil thought he had me, but the Lord, but the Lord, but the Lord, we have something to celebrate. Has he been good to you? Has he blessed you? Has he snatched you out of the very clutches of the, of the enemy? And if he has, we ought to be celebrating that on Christmas. And when our loved ones see how good the Lord has been to us, and how much we love him, they will desire the same Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Father, in the